morning. It's my privilege. It's my privilege to um, introduce to you this morning the Honorable Saad Joseph from Liberia. Saad, say I love you. I love you. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> um, Saw us from Liberia, and uh, we have a flag here of Liberia, and you'll notice uh, something about this flag is that it most closely resembles our own flag uh, relative to any other flag in the room. And the reason for that is because we have a historical relationship with Liberia that uh, stems back to the uh, 19th century. Uh, Liberia was established by uh, expat slaves, former uh, slaves, freed slaves, who were um, sent back to West Africa under a program started by Christians, Quakers in particular, who wanted to see them repatriated back to Africa. And, um, and so they established a capital city uh, called, it was named for Christ, Christophany or Christo, you remember what it was? The it was anyway, the capital city was named after Christ in reference to the Christians who founded it. And then in 1824, uh, President James Monroe, who was very supportive of this initiative, uh, lent his name. And so the capital city today is Monrovia. If you go to Liberia, they speak English. They use uh, U.S. currency. They have their own currency, but they use, uh, you can use the U.S. dollars there. Their constitution is patterned after our constitution, so all the political names sound familiar, and, uh, and they're very much loyal to our country. And so um, it's our privilege to welcome Honorable Saw this morning. We would not have, I think it's not an overstatement to say, we would not have a ministry in West Africa, both Sierra Leone and Liberia, were it not for the ministry of the Honorable Saw Joseph. So I'm going to ask a few questions. I'm going to hopefully uh, play a minor role here. But I want to ask uh, Honorable Saw a few questions and uh, just so you, that you can become more acquainted with him. There are a lot of people attending JBC now that were not attending way back when. And we wanted to use this opportunity to sort of acquaint you with Saw and his ministry. So Saw, to begin with, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you came to faith in Christ? Uh, I came to Christ uh, through the Baptist missionaries, certain Baptist missionaries that was in Liberia, and they had a program called Royal Ambassador. And then they take us on camp. They have the girls, they call them the GA, which means the girls auxiliary. So the certain Baptist uh, missionary always take us to camp and considering that my parents came from the Muslim background, and uh, we were always active going to camp. And in order for you to be qualified to go to camp, you must be uh, punctual to go to church. You must always be at church activities. So I make sure that uh, I go to all of the church services, go to Bible study, so I can be qualified to go to camp. And during that, uh, I got to know Christ through that. Uh, in 1985, and uh, that's how the Baptist missionaries 
began to help me uh, to send me to school until the Civil War came to Liberia. Okay. Now, as I recall, the draw of this camp for you was soccer. Is that right? Yes. You wanted to play soccer. Yeah. You, you, you play soccer, and then at the end of the soccer game, before you guys go home, they gave you bread and kue. So, uh, we could not have one meal at home, so we were always on time to make sure that because when you play, you're going to have a very big bread and then with cool aid. So we were always active going on the field to play and then go to Bible study as well. Now these missionaries were from? Georgia, uh, Georgia Atlanta, Georgia. And the church ministry was called? New Georgia Baptist, Baptist Church. So I, I make that point uh, because uh, we are in the process of raising a generation of Saint Joseph's in Liberia and in Sierra Leone, uh, whose, whose ministry started uh, with missionaries, as you just heard. Well, Saw, tell us about how you came to be acquainted with Jefferson Baptist Church. So when the Civil War came to Liberia, uh, my father was killed, my mother missing, and then I managed to walk by foot, and we went to neighboring country, uh, Sierra Leone, and uh, I lived in the Waterloo refugee camp. While I was in the camp, another war came to Sierra Leone and the camp was attacked. Uh, we went to Guinea, Conakry, another neighboring country. And then another war came to Guinea and then I went to Senegal. Uh, in Senegal, Jefferson Baptist Church was supporting the refugee center in Dakar. And uh, I was one of the boys living in the center and helping to work in the kitchen. Uh, and while there, uh, we have, they told us that we have uh, friends coming from the U.S. coming to visit. So we have uh, the team from Jefferson Baptist Church that went to synagogue, and then I met them, and uh, we started to talk. I became very close to them. And uh, while being active, they told me that uh, I should go to the house. They invited every one of us at the house for dinner. We went for dinner. And then uh, when the team left, Doc West and Kerry West were still there. And then they said that uh, I had a conversation with them. I told them that my mom was in several, in one of the refugee camps. And then uh, she was shout, there's a need for me to go see her. So I went back. Uh, they were able to help me, to send me back. They gave me money to go back to the refugee camp to look for my mom and also help to treat her. So I did that. And when I went, I decided to stay. And then uh, I started the ministry. Uh, I did Waterloo Refugee Camp in Buyedo, where they have the two camps. And while there, uh, we started with feeding program, uh, supporting the refugees by providing food for them. The next thing we did was to provide school. We provided a free school where we have more than 2,000 children going to school free, and then we gave them one meal a day. So the school was highly populated because they was the only school in the camp. And uh, the first visit of Jefferson Baptist Church was Sis Patty, Pastor D, Kerry West, and then uh, they came to Sierra Leone, and then they wanted to see exactly what work we were doing there. And then I took them to Waterloo. 
I took them to Kenema, Bo, and also to Buyedo. We also organized pastor conferences for all pastors in the, in the community in Sierra Leone. And then from there, we started planting churches, uh, also establishing more schools, bringing in more medical team, helping the people in the villages, in the churches, and that's what we've been doing. So uh, maybe you could describe a little more detail about the adventure to Buedu. <laughs> well, Buedu uh, was, the rule was very, very bad, and I wanted uh, the team from Jefferson Baptist Church to go there, to reach there. So they asked me how many hours to go to Buyedu, and then I told them it's two hours. And then we started the draft, we did 48 hours. <laughs> and uh, finally we got there, we were able to, uh, we were able to get there, and then we went on time, we had a pastor's conference and everything. So that's why we did, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a difficult draft going to Buyedo, most especially spending for the eight hours in a very low vehicle, roads are very bad. And then at one point in time, the driver was tired, Pastor D took the wheel you know, to continue on the drive until we get there, yes. So you can, you can drive to Buedu uh, in about how many hours now? Now, uh, considering the government has fixed the road, you can leave from Freetown to Buyedo within five to six hours time. And last night you said the drive in those days was... Well, 48 hours. 48 hours. Yes. 48 hours. Yeah. Two days. Two days. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Um, I, I uh, am amazed at Pastor D's uh, patience uh, in all that time. <laughs> so you mentioned several uh, communities, Buedu and Waterloo, Waterloo. Kenema, Bo, Makini. Yeah, these are all places that will and, work. And JBC has a ministry today in each of those communities that he just mentioned, a church and a school, and I think for the most part a well Yes. in each of those communities. And so, well, that's, uh, that's great. Tell me, um, uh, now when you came here on this trip, you um, it didn't come to Oregon right away. Yeah. And uh, you, were, you went to Washington, not the state, but... District of Columbia, and without disclosing any political sensitivities, tell me a little bit about uh, what you were doing there. Well, uh, I went to Washington, D.C. Uh, I felt that I could create a relationship between Liberia and uh, the present government in the, in the United States government in Washington. So, when you, we Liberians consider the United States to be our parents, based on our relationship. So if the president of Liberia have not met the president of the United States, the people would not be happy with you. And so I came to create that relationship. So I have uh, about two hours meeting there, and I'm due to go back there two more times so that we can create a relationship between uh, the government of Liberia that I'm part of and also the government of the United States. That's why I was there in Washington. Okay. So you started, uh, in our relationship with you, you started as a refugee from the war. 
Yep. And now you're a senator uh, for Liberia. Tell us a little bit about how that happened. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I learned a lot uh, when I was, uh, I would use the word rescue of phone by Jefferson Baptist Church in Senegal uh, that was able to help me turn me from nothing to something. And I went through a lot of training, uh, bringing me to the United States over and over, coming back, going back, and uh, working with international, with the medical team, working with the churches. And uh, I learned a lot, uh, attending Pastor D leadership conference as well. And the work that we did in uh, Liberia and in Sierra Leone, the Liberians went back to Liberia and the community people asked me, the district, District 13, they asked me, uh, we want you to be our representative during the election. And uh, I said, no, I want to still focus what I was doing. And, but I learned one thing, Pastor D said, that uh, one of the ways to work in Africa is to influence work uh, or leaders, is to work through them, through by influencing them. So I learned that. And then I accepted. I went for the first election, uh, 2011. I won the election as representative of District 13, Maserato County. And then I served for six years. Uh, within the six years, Ebola came to Liberia. And uh, we all worked together. And I won the, next, the second terms of the election in 2017. I won the election, and then the president, who is my friend, won, he was a senator, and he won the election as president, so he asked me to replace him uh, through the confirmation by the people to go to uh, run in the Senate. So I ran in the Senate. Uh, we have about 15 candidates, and then I came number one. I won the election as a senator from Maserato County, and uh, I started to serve. And I also got elected in the Liberian Senate as the chairman on executive, which means I'm the second man in command in the Liberian Senate, and I'm also between the Senate and the executive. I coordinate activities between them. So that's how it all came about. Very good. God has, God has used you greatly in that capacity. You mentioned Ebola. Um, Jefferson Baptist Church is a member of and in fact a founder of a group of churches called West Africa Partners. Uh, Willamette Community Church is a member of West Africa Partners, of Philomath Church, and there are West Africa Partner Churches up and down the West Coast, California and Washington. And one of them factored fairly significantly in Chico with the Ebola response. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. So I, was, I came to visit 2013, and uh, I came here to say hi and say thank you. I also went to California, uh, one of the churches that Jefferson Baptist Church was working with, Grace Community Church, Pastor Dave, who is the pastor there. And uh, I spoke at a church, and then I was able to say, look, there's a need. I'm looking for an opportunity for one ambulance to be able to transport people in case they are sick. So somebody was in the congregation said that work with first responder Chico 
said they had 12 ambulances available. So we were able to... 12 ambulances. 12, yes, 12 ambulances. So we were able to ship them, ship the first four of the ambulances to Liberia. And immediately the ambulances got there. Uh, within three weeks, Ebola hit Liberia. And the government of Liberia had only two ambulances for the entire country. And then we have four. And then I spoke to first responder in the U.S. if we can use their name in Liberia. So we also went, we organized what we call first responder Liberia. So we started to work uh, picking up sick people, uh, Ebola cases all around the country. We shipped all of the ambulances and started to work. And uh, we were successful to contain the situation in Liberia. And we also went, uh, we asked the Sierra Leone government that we want to help them. So we went to Sierra Leone. We also helped the Sierra Leone government to also contain the situation of Ebola in Guinea in Sierra Leone as well. And then the team returned back to, to Liberia. That's what we did. So we hear evidence of Ebola surfacing again in the Congo, I believe, and in Guinea. Uh, what would happen if Ebola, if there was an Ebola case in Liberia today? Well, based on our experiences and uh, the training, we, we are capable to contain the situation. Uh, all we need basically is the materials, the PPEs, the protective gears, uh, because when you are working with Ebola, is is every... You use more gloves, more PPEs, and you don't reuse them. So you use them uh, every time you discharge your PPEs, you don't use it again. So if there's an Ebola case today in Liberia, we will go there to help the situation. First responders, we are well-trained. We have our nurses and team members who are well-trained. We are capable of handling the situation. Excellent. Now, during that time, some of your well, you and some of your associates got some international acclaim. Yeah. Uh, one of your ambulance drivers was featured as Man of the Year on Time Magazine. Yeah, we have Fode, who was uh, featured on the Time Magazine, and uh, we also have Gordon Kamara, and then uh, I was named Ebola Hero of the Country, and uh, I also received another award the Grand Knight Commander for the Human Redemption of Africa. Uh, we, we, we got those awards. But we are happy that we were able to get the ambulances on time and was able to serve and to save the people of Liberia and Sierra Leone. During one of my visits to Liberia, um, Sa and his driver were taking me to the airport. And on the way, he said, I have to do an interview at a radio station, would you like to join me? I mean, what are you going to say to that? No. <laughs> so I went to the radio station, and they asked me a question or two, and then they spent, obviously, most of their time with Sa. And one of the things that was amazing to me was the, when they took callers. You know, Sa spoke a little bit. They took some callers on, their, on the air, and it was amazing the uh, respect that was conveyed to Sa. Um, because of, principally because of his work during the Ebola crisis, which was terrifying. Um, they didn't know 
uh, how to treat it when it first arrived and they didn't have any uh, materials and capacity and so saw was and remains highly respected because of his support um, during the Ebola crisis. So let's put some pictures up. We got a couple pictures talking about the future. This is, uh, this is where Liberia is located on West Africa and I believe it's to the north is Sierra Leone and Guinea is directly north and then Ivory Coast. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, who is this uh, gen distinguished gentleman in the blue here? That's the president of Liberia. That's the president of Liberia, okay. And um, he was also a soccer player, famous soccer player for Liberia yeah. at one point. Okay, next slide. Um, this is a stamp. Um, Sierra Leone and, Africa and Liberia are both big on stamps. When you send correspondence, you put your stamp on it. And this is the stamp for Jenny's Preparatory Elementary School in New Georgia in Garnersville, Liberia. And let's go to the next slide. This is Jenny. This is an earlier picture, I believe, of Jenny, Jenny and some of her associates preparing a meal for the uh, students during one of her visits there. Uh, next slide. Um, there's another picture of Jenny with, um, with the students. And uh, about how many students would you say are in Jenny's preparatory school now? So considering that uh, this school is the only free school in the New Georgia area, because we have three schools that we run. We have the Jenny School, we have Bob Williams School in Barbashu. Then we have the Mambakla Christian School in Mambakla community that used to be uh, also a refugee center. And uh, so Jenny School, we have about 1,600 students now. Yeah. Okay, and uh, you mentioned these are free schools. Yes. We have Bob here, sitting here in front here, has a, another school in Liberia. In Bagbashu. Bagbashu is one of the areas that we started ministry. Uh, is in the village. It's a difficult road to go there. Bob know that. <laughs> yeah. And, and Bambashu doesn't look anything like it's spelled to, to Anglo eyes at least. No. <laughs> okay, next, uh, this is Mary Clintworth uh, on a trip with Jenny to the school. Next slide. Uh, and here's the students all looking organized. She said this is a free school and that it ranges in from... So you come here, registration is free, school fee is free, and then all you need to do is to get your copy books and your uniform, and then you sit in the classroom. So Jefferson Baptist Church uh, have been sending uh, the salary for the teachers for the past 10 plus years. That's a lot of, uh, a lot of students. Next uh, slide, I think we have a picture. There's another group. Um, and by the way, the offering that we do for each year through um, the five days of prayer and the missions offering does not support Jenny's school or Bob's school. Those all come from independent gifts from people from uh, Jefferson Baptist Church and others in the community and you can see that's a huge expense for 1200 students and the reason for that is because the missions offering is divided among 20 different ministries worldwide and if 
Jenny were to take a portion of that missions offering, the school would starve uh, because um, the, the, huge, the need is so huge. And so that's um, a, a useful detail, I think, for you to understand about the support of this school. Next slide. These are the teachers, and uh, some of them who are in the picture uh, are, have left. This is an older picture, but it gives you a sense of the number of teachers that it takes to run this school. So uh, what happened is that most of the teachers, some of them are not teaching again uh, because they receive pay, so they use that money to also go to college. So they acquire some education, and then so they go to acquire jobs. So we, but we recruit new teachers as, it, as a teacher leaves, and then we also go ahead to recruit new teachers. And uh, they, we have so many teachers now. Uh, looking at, we also have a vocational school there as well. So we have so many teachers. Okay, now let's talk a little bit more about a building project that you have. Um, next slide. Oh, this is Ebola. You mentioned this last night. Tell us a little bit about uh, getting suited up to treat Ebola. <laughs> so here we went in a community, and uh, we went and there were about 15 persons sick. The family was sick of Ebola. They were all in the house, taking medication in the house. So I went there, and then I asked. The family refused to go to hospital. And then I went to the police station. And then I asked the police to help us talk, uh, arrest the Ebola patient to take them uh, to the hospital. So the police officer told me that he's coming. He's going to get ready, get his men ready to go to the house. The police ran away in the bush. <laughs> and uh, we, we keep sitting there and we couldn't find them, so I have to dress up uh, to enter into the house uh, to get uh, the patients out. Uh, that's why I was dressing. I was trying to prepare myself uh, to, to go. But the police ran away because Ebola is totally different. When you just touch someone physically, you just touch them, you can easily get the virus from just the touches. So that's why the police have to run away. So now, you, you told us last night, how many layers do you have to put on? It's a, it's a difficult thing to be in here because you have to double your gloves, so many gloves, and uh, you have to read about four, six different, uh, because you have to ankle, prepare your arm, you prepare your neck, and then your belly, so this is just the first layer, that's how it go. If you can see the guy with the, with the uh, spray machine, that is what we use to spray you. So for every step that you take to take off any of the gloves, you have to wash your hands. Yeah, so you take about a lot of time uh, to discharge because every mistake you make, you're gonna die. So you have to take your own time so you don't get touched by any of the items on you. Because everything that is on you is already uh, exposed to the virus. That's how it works. Now Liberia is a pretty brisk and cool climate, right? Yes. Actually, no, it's not. Cool climate? 
It's not cold. In no, no, it's area. not cold. But we have two seasons. We have rainy and then uh, dry season. It's only cold during the rainy season. Yeah, and cold is relative. Cold is 70, 80 degrees. Yes. But so, for me, it's cold. Yeah. My point being, wearing three layers of this plastic in a tropical climate had to be not a very uncomfortable situation. Well, it's, it's, it's a difficult one to be in there. And anyone in there want to go out. But you, two things. You're talking about either you protect yourself or you're going to save someone's life. So it's about competition. Either you go to save someone or you die. So you have to make sure that you are well protected. You have no options. You have to be well protected. Yeah. Because Ebola is not airborne disease, but it's deadly. This is why we have more than 200,000 persons that die in Liberia. Because it's just about a touch. Even if someone that has Ebola touches an object, and then you also touch it, you have it already. Yeah. Very different than COVID. Now, let's go on to the next slide. Uh, this is a building. This is actually Jenny's school, um, and the new, um, sort of the new version of it. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this project? So, uh, Jenny's school have been in existence for more than 10 years, providing free education to the young people, to the families who cannot afford. Uh, but the school stopped from kindergarten to 12th grade. So there are students who have graduated from this school five, ten years ago. They only said no other source of income. So what we are doing now is we are remodeling the school, uh, making it all of a vocational and technical grade school. That is a vocational education. So when you come from sixth grade to twelfth grade, compulsory you must do a technical course. You must do carpentry you do missionary or you will do uh, mechanic or electricity. Skills that are marketable within Liberia. So that's why we're going to start teaching. So you do your academic work. At the same time, you also uh, do your trade. So you're going to do general trade. After you reach to the ninth grade, then you'll choose one that you're going to focus on. Uh, so ninth grade, 10th grade, 12th grade, then you focus on that course. So what we want to do is, when a student uh, is in 10th grade or 11th grade, they must be able to sustain themselves. They must be able to be able to get a job, acquire a job. So that's what we are trying to do. So we make it, we call it a multi-purpose educational complex. Uh, that's how general school is going to be. So uh, it's going to help because a lot of young people will have the opportunity to attend and then they will acquire skills. People will be skillful. They become marketable in society. So that's what we're doing with this. So we have some uh, construction pictures again from the past um, and you're going up four levels. Yes, four and, levels. Uh, and the, what you, the spires that you see there are really long pieces of rebar that were put there to accept uh, subsequent levels. And where are you now in the construction? We are two weeks to completion. And uh, getting ready for the roofing, 
Two weeks of completion of the walls. Yes, of the walls. So what we are doing now is we are tying the gable. So uh, you put the blocks, now you have to put concrete around all the way around the entire building. You have to cash it with concrete, you put steel in it, and then you cash it. So that's the work that the team is doing now. Uh, after that, then we are ready for roofing. It's, we took two years uh, to get this done. Yeah. So we have a couple more pictures. Let's go through those. This is another uh, perspective on the building. And the next slide is a uh, foundation that was uh, when it was originally started. So yeah. what we did with the foundation, we dug six feet. Uh, we went down six feet, and then we cached the in one foot all around. And then after the caching of the one foot, then we took the steel. We put the steel there. We cached again another one foot. And then, uh, we, then we start to lay blocks. And then after four blocks, then we tire the entire foundation. So that's what we did for the foundation. So what remains on this project is the roof. And we have another slide here of uh, the design of the roof. And we've had some discussion about doing it in wood, which is a traditional construction model, or steel. Um, and uh, Lion Mountain Steel, our ministry in Sierra Leone, has the capability of building this entire roof in steel, in steel panel and steel uh, rafters, trusses. And so um, the question becomes is, can we do it as efficiently or as cheaply as he can buy the same material in Liberia? And so that's the discussion we're, we're having uh, this week. Next picture shows the completed uh, structure, what it will look like. We have a couple of people from um, this church who have uh, expressed their desire to go over to Liberia and to put that roof on. Uh, and if we do it in steel, it would be with uh, uh, drills and screws to put the roof. It looks like a really high roof off the ground. I'm not sure I'd be comfortable up there. But our volunteers are young, uh, immortal types. And so we'll, uh, we'll look forward to their, their participation. Uh, it'll probably be later in the winter. Right now, we're looking at funding. It's going to be about a half a million dollar project. Uh, it's a huge building, and steel is expensive now, and so that's uh, in the negotiation that we're in right now. If you would be interested in participating in this project, either with, with labor or financially, we would certainly welcome your contributions uh, financially for Jenny's school uh, in the offering, and that would be designated to this roof project. Well, Saul, what would you like to share with us in closing? Well, I want to say to the family of Jefferson Baptist Church for giving me the opportunity that others did not have. I mean, looking at where we, I came from, from the refugee camp in Senegal, and today I'm a senator. Uh, it it makes me proud, and I want to, I'm here to say thank you, too, for all of the support, the prayers and the support you people give me, and uh, I will continue to work. At, uh, not just serving as a senator, but I should be able to live a life that was set an example, even where serving as a senator. 
happy to serve in that capacity and uh, happy to play a role that the people can uh, really appreciate. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your support to Africa, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. And I want to say I love you all. Now, last night you... Yeah. As an added incentive, last night you mentioned a special invitation for those who would participate in putting this roof on. You remember what that oh, was? Yeah. So, uh, uh, yesterday when I was coming at church, uh, I spoke to the president, and then I told him that I was coming at the church to talk about the roof. And then he said, well, please extend my thanks and appreciation to everybody. And members of the roofing crew have been extended an invitation by the president uh, when you come to Liberia for a dinner with the president to meet with him. So, yeah, so he also extended that invitation to you. Well, let's uh, conclude in a prayer of commission. We're grateful, Lord, for Honorable Saab. We thank you for uh, what you have done in his life. We thank you for the privilege that we have had to have just a small part of that. We thank you for the great commission that you have given to us in your holy scriptures to go unto uh, all nations and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them to observe all that you have commanded us. We thank you for the privilege that we have to have just a small part in that great work. And we pray for Saul. We pray that you would continue to give him vision and courage. We pray that you would bless him and that he would be a blessing to others and that your name would be exalted through him in Liberia. We ask all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, after service, please, uh, I will appreciate having a photo with the entire congregation so I can keep it in my office. So please give me that gift. Okay, uh, maybe, uh, I think I've got a phone here. We can do that. Yeah, uh, I have a let's, phone. Um, I just wanted to remind you, the ushers are passing out cards, and um, we want to encourage you to fill those out and list any prayer requests that you might have. We have a prayer after the service over here. If you would like to have somebody pray with you and for you, and uh, appreciate uh, your being here this morning. So why don't you just stand down here and I'll yeah, take Yeah, just a